Thanks for tuning in to Undo Radio. This is Sophia Chang, and we're sitting here today with Jakey Cho. Mmm. You know what I mean? We're over here at Canal Street Radio and Canal Street Market. Better recognize, man. So, Jakey, tell us a little bit about. I know last in in the last issue, we kind of our last issue, issue eight, was themed sleep and restoration. But we really wanted to get your story in once you posted your story on DACA and just kind right, of everything right. on immigration. Yep. But you're one of the my my most unique friends. Uh-huh. I was just telling Kelly uh, for the past few weeks about how we're excited <laughs> yeah. we are to see you. Yeah, the past few weeks. Well, wow. you know, like, how much does she no, it's unveil come up, about it's come up. me? Also, we, we okay. saw Roy Choi recently. Okay, okay, and I was okay. like, oh my God, that's Jay Key and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Roy um, Choi. Roy Choi is Jay Key. Shout okay. out to Roy. No, you okay. were in the... You're you're in the intro. Oh, I was in that video. Right, right, the, right. The, the, actually, the yeah, whole yeah, intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, every episode. That episode, yep, yep. Um, but kind of wanted to talk a little bit about your roots, right? So Because okay. we both grew up in... Queens. We were uh-huh. both interns at Complex Magazine uh-huh. back in the print days. I was back working at my desk. 08, 09? Yeah, yeah, 08 is a good time. I was working at my desk, and this Asian dude around my age walked up with food all up in his mouth and he's chewing very, very loud, <laughs> uh, talking while chewing, uh, being like, hey, do you know where Chance is? And I'm like, I don't know who this person is. And then he just stays there to continue asking me a shit ton of questions about myself. And at some point I was like, do you want my social security number? Like what's going on here? What's happening? Yeah, don't feel yourself too much, all right? I no, was it was hilarious because you were like, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, where are you from? Oh, all right. And then with like lots of chewing in between. Word, word, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of just, and, and there were very few other interns there around mm. our age group, of course, of our ethnicity too. Mm. So yeah, and then we became friends. Yeah, yeah, basically. And then we later found out that like- We um, live a couple blocks yeah, from each other. Yeah, we live like really close from each other um but yeah so you want to know about me like how i like basically landed in this country and then just kind of manifested into a human being Mm -hmm. (laughs) that but i mean look like you're of korean descent right you grew up in flushing you have a very unique voice Mm -hmm. which i'm sure you've heard many times Mm -hmm. you're one of the best writers that i know because when you invite people to barbecues Mm. it's like painting a whole picture Mm. with text and email Right, um, right. And you're also f- pretty fluent in Mandarin mm-hmm. and Korean. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a, a very unique story, especially in this melting pot of New York City and right. especially in Queens. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I was born in South Korea and then I uh, went to elementary school for a little bit in uh, Nanjing, China. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my family immigrated to the U.S. back in 98. And then um, we landed in Queens in 98, summer of 98. And uh, I grew up in Jackson Heights, Elmhurst area. Um, So, yeah, like I just been in that whole Queens, Seven Train. Like Seven Train to me is like the genesis of like immigrant civilizations. You know what I mean? How sad is it for you to be on the train? It's like the Nile River. How sad is it for you to, to, to ride on the train and go past 45 Courthouse Square and not see. Oh, yeah. Five points That's is always gone. Been hard you, know, for me. you know what's been really hard for me recently was uh, it was just kind of like the social construct of things, how the seven train was always like this rundown train that never really worked properly. And then now with the Hudson Yards development and all these um, new condo developments happening in Long Island City, 
I started noticing the efficiency of the train go up exponentially. I mean, you know, people could argue it was just like, oh, it's just like maybe they collected more taxes or maybe they just got better management. But to me, it just seems like, yo, you guys are really just catering to the type of new um, wave of tenants moving into these areas that historically wasn't really taken care of for a long time. And now because of these tenants moving in, because these uh, real estate developments happening, y'all basically upgraded a shitty train that people were struggling to go to work every morning. For, so you know ironically, I mean? yeah, I mean, a big part of New York, if you look at the map, a lot of times you see where the last stop is on the seven train and everyone else. What people don't realize is everyone else is taking buses on the rest yeah, of to that get map. To the, yeah, to get to that. Yeah, to get to Main Street. But um, yeah, so I grew up in Queens um, to kind of touch upon a point about like how I learn English. I came to this country not knowing like simple alphabet. Like I didn't know A, B, C, D, like any of that. Um, one of the fastest way for me to pick up the language was to, uh, was to watch TV. And also, um, even when I was like learning Chinese, like when I went to you know China as a kid, like I didn't speak Chinese, but I was able to pick it up really quickly because of watching cartoons and reading a lot of comic books. So I kind of um, think I found the same type of uh, method to pick up English, which was watching a lot of TV and uh, listening to a lot of music. And the music I gravitated towards was hip hop, specifically like mid nineties, New York, uh, like loud records hip hop, which was like Wu-Tang, Mob Deep, a whole lot of pun, a whole lot and of And how nods. old were you at the time? This was like nine to like 13, nine to 13. This was, you know, you're, you're picking up the language still at a very fast pace because you are not old enough but luckily i was just at that cutting point cutting you know what i mean right. like that borderline where i was like nine to eleven so i was able to pick up the language relatively quickly and, and the twang um, just stuck with you well not even that like <laughs> my friends that was around me uh i didn't really grow up around too many um asian americans right um, i mean that neighborhood at that time in the 90s was still and still is predominantly like latino yeah a lot of latino part. kids it was a lot of colombian kids ecuadorian kids especially uh, coming from a homogenous environment like yeah, china yeah and yeah. then being dropped into that yeah. being able to add new new things into your life which was language which was listening to the radio listening to tv and you really heavily relied on those senses to be able to add new information totally to your yeah life. yeah for sure so i i mean i would say like which came out the same way because uh, hence the writing. Right, right, totally. I mean, I collected like the magazines that I eventually wrote for. So like I collected like Double XL, I collected Swords, I collected Vibe, I collected even some 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 issues of Complex, you know what I mean? And then um I actually did think about like, oh man, it'd be dope if I became a music editor for like a a magazine. So I had that I think I had that somewhere in me, but when I had the opportunity to start interning for Complex like that was when I started seeing real people that was collecting bylines and like getting paid to do a review or to do an interview. So that's when I thought like, okay, like I could actually do this. And um, I just kind of put a lot of my efforts into that craft throughout like my college years. And then um, luckily when I gra uh, graduated from college, I was able to get a job at Double uh, XL as, uh, as an editor. So, yeah, that was kind of like what that was. But I never thought that I was a good writer and I still don't think I am. I mean, like compared to like some of what some of my 
you know, what some of my peers could pen and like what people that I look up to could do. Like, you know, my shit is fucking trash. You know what I mean? Compared to those guys. And to those day, like I got a shout out to my young Donnie. Like he's still top edits all my shit. Oh, you know what dope. I mean? I so I still kind cool. of like ask him to give a give a quick read because I'm still self-conscious about my writing. Cause like that shit is like one of those things where you you feel naked because you get judged by what how you express yourself. Right. You know what I mean? I so mean it's, it's like, still creative. It right? is, it's it is, yeah. Creative. So it's like a form of like just being very like um you are exposing yourself in a way that um other people could internalize right you know what i mean so it's a very like yo it's it's a very sensitive process you know what i mean so obviously writing was a big influence for you and and i think it's really important to kind of discuss what really lit your path to pave way for what you're doing today right Um, so we have the podcast now if you want to plug it in a little bit yeah i mean i always wanted to do multiple things like that was always something that was in um it was very organic yeah like i mean i grew up like idolizing like hove and puff and these like rap figures that at the time of my interest where my fascination with rap that was when hip-hop really became a business Mm -hmm. like that was when you know rappers really started to take entrepreneurship seriously So these were like the guys that I grew up idolizing and I see them like, okay, they could do music. Oh shit. They could also sell vodka or they could sell like clothes. They could have a TV station. They have a magazine. So I, in my head, there was never a point in my head where I thought I can't do multiple things at once. You know what I mean? Like it was always that, that was something that was just like natural. Like, oh, of course you can do everything at once. Like, what do you mean? You only have to do one thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, yeah, like for me, it was never a doubt that I could do multiple things. So, you know, when I started working in the magazine, um, I always wanted to make a film when I was a kid. And then when I asked And my, you did. And, when, and it was very well received. Thank you. Thank you. So when I was a kid, like I was like, yo, I want to be a filmmaker. And I asked my pops and he was like, hell no, like I can't afford that shit. You know what I mean? Like I can't pay for you to go to film school. So to add to the point about that you made raised earlier about like, yo, like we have parents that wanted us to be a doctor or a lawyer. I don't, right. what was I, don't that like I, I didn't really home? have that. You know what I mean? My parents were never like forcing me to be a specific thing, but they also weren't supportive of me pursuing uh, of, uh, anything in the arts. They just wanted me to be sustainable, but by doing something honorable and by doing something that could make income that you know could suffice and take so care of a family. So would you say you succeeded in that? Request? I think I did. I think to a to a certain degree I did because, um, which is a which is big for for our heritage, right? Honoring our parents, and making sure yeah, our parents like, are, I mean, are happy. Yeah, like I mean, like I I give them money at once a month. You know what I mean? Not a All lot, right. not Allowance. a lot, but All like right. I give them a little bit. So how has and they that... don't need that shit? Like my pop still makes way more money than right, me. Right, right, right. But like. You know, he like just the fact that I could able to suffice a living doing what I love and also like take care of other people and not have like a fucking shitload of debt or anything. You know what I mean? Like, so I think in that sense, like I am successful in that, like I was able to accomplish all the things that I wanted to do in my 20s. Right. You know what I mean? Which was to become a music journalist, to make a film, 
to i mean so many titles to like rap a little bit and to like start my own podcast and like and also opening a brick and mortar business and in, in my own hood and flushing so these were all things that i wanted to do like i told myself i was going to do that shit when i was like 18 to like 22 and i was like all right i need to get that shit out of the way before i'm 30 so i did that so in that sense i'm happy but do you one, what do you think contributed to that to that kind of intention, but also like manifesting that. Like every everyone has dreams, right? right. But you actually made that happen. So was the it, only thing I didn't make myself make it happen for myself yeah. is to become a, a multimillionaire. Like that was the that. only thing that I couldn't really manifest. By thirty. By thirty, yeah. I wanted to be a. I wanted to have two Grammys by the time I'm thirty, bro. When I was like twelve and shit. You I got like, time. We you all got I mean? time. You know what I mean? But how how do how do I manifest that? I mean, I don't know. How do you manifest your shit? Like like you was always very confident about yourself, mm -hmm. but you was a little insecure about like going up to people to like try to like start new opportunities and shit. You know, a lot of it is just multitasking and and being very very organized because even when I was in college and I was I was doing so much, right? I was in school, I was auditing classes, I was working part-time at sneaker stores and I was interning every single semester. Every free minute I had, I was it was doing dedicated to, right. to doing something right. because I had the energy for it and so that was an organic natural transition into freelancing because I'm working with different timelines and different deadlines and being able to manage all that within a 7-day week. Right. So that felt normal for me no matter what you threw at me or I committed myself to, I knew how to manage that time-wise. But yeah, I mean, time management is still something that I'm, like, struggling with. Like, I'm not really amazing at it, but I think... But uh, clearly you are good enough because I'm, you I'm do so right. much. I'm all right, you know, to the uh, dismay of a lot of people that work with me. They're just like, yeah, where's this shit? Yeah, where's that shit? Uh, but I... Uh, was that... Was that... um. Yeah, You know, was that Ashanti and Ja Rule song? I'm not always There's there so when many. you call, but I'm always on, on time. time. Always you know on I mean? time is the name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... So I think I'm always on time, kind of, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I always deliver at the end of the day. So like that was what, that kind of what kept me up to this point. And, so you um, procrastinated a lot, but you still had the deadline is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. So I think, um, but to your point, uh, time management and also juggling many things like, yo, do you have ADD? What do you think? You've known me for quite a few years. I mean, like, I just wanted to ask. You're the one, one of the few people in my life that cut me off, that yell at me every time I cut people off for talking. Right, I do. And yeah. I hear you in the back of my mind every time I'm about to cut <laughs> someone off still. I think I have a little bit too. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't. We definitely yeah, do. Yeah, we definitely do. I will do. attest to that. I mean, after but 10 yo, years I, don't, I don't believe in ADD. I think it's some shit that the government made up so they could fucking feed us Adderall. But mind you like i'm not on any pills and shit but again going back to this idea of the system right, right. children were set you we always had this token light of this is how we're supposed to be right this is what's normal and if you're not that then you're other mm. right whether whether it's an ethnic thing or a learning thing or uh, you know a focus thing we right. can really break it down but because we weren't that then let me label you with something else right exactly but we made it work for yeah, us i know i did and then you know i think um one of the things that we have that a person with a lot more focus might not have is the idea of being able to just being flexible like because we have this tendency to you know like of course like we might get like nervous if some shit doesn't really happen uh but 
we also we could kind of divert that attention into something else like whereas my girl like her focus is fucking razor sharp yeah. you know what i mean she it's sits good down to have that balance yeah she, if she sits down and she wants to do some shit she gets it done a week before you know what i mean but then what she can't do is like trying to juggle different things or like she always have like this fear that if she doesn't accomplish this like it's it's like the end of the world and shit whereas me i kind of got like this yeah like okay like yeah i'm gonna get it done eventually you know what i'm saying so like let me divert my attention here like let me divert my attention there in the end we both get shit done you know what i mean it's just that the process is different like i might want to take a detour and it's important to celebrate that Looking for a place to take your friends that's fun, hip, and full of food? <laughs> Stop on by Canal Street Market. We're on Canal Street. So what else? What else you want to talk about? Talk to me. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about the podcast. Mm. I had, I, I mean, I've listened to the episodes on and off, right? I right. think that's your newest project. I think I'd love to at least showcase that with right, you. Right, right, right. And I really in, uh, appreciate it. And I know how difficult it is when you have a small team. Right. And you have an intention. Everyone has a podcast. Everyone wants to do a thing. But you really go 100% when it comes to this stuff. So the stuff that you're rolling out, even today when I looked at my phone, you know, you guys are telling great stories on social right. outside of just a podcast. Mm. You're really dedicating your messaging on these different platforms as a podcast thing or even on social right. as a whole story, like just lifestyle. Mm. Right. Yeah, and totally. You, and you can talk. I mean, if you want to talk. I mean, like, that. so I can't even take credit for that just because the conception of the podcast, you know, I took a huge part in it, but um, I just have, I'm just blessed to have a great team. Like um, Michael Ken Stewart, who's the producer of the podcast, like he's really on top of everything. Um, he makes sure that all the episodes go on time. He makes sure that the social social is like active. Uh, he makes So you're not as involved in the social? Nah, okay, I'm not. Gotcha, gotcha. You know what I mean? I do How big is your team? I mean, I have, so my co-host, Jojo. So her and I, we uh, do the podcast. Um, I have Marcus Ham who does all the music and sound engineering. Who's amazing. Yeah, who's who's righteous. So dope. Who's righteous. And then I have Michael Ken Stewart, who is the producer of the podcast. So Michael kind of initially, um, he just wanted to observe how we do this podcast. Like, he's just somebody that I met. He was a young lad that I met during one of my bad rap um, film tours. And then he was a new graduate from Cornell who just wanted to get in, get his feet into the creative scene in New York. And I just told him, like, hey, come and check out the podcast one day. And um, he he just came and checked it out. And then I saw, like, how attentive he was. And I was like, yo, you want to help us produce this shit? He just been doing an amazing job. You know what I mean? So I got a shout out to him and also, like, Julie Young. Okay, why, why would people be tuning into this? Why would people be tuning into this? Because J.Key is righteous and J.Key just fucking has an amazing yo, voice. You come off as so gassed on that mm, show, too. I know, man. Last, 1, last episode, I was like, of course. Of, of course, course, you know what I mean? Like, that that's the thing. Like, of course, like, I don't, you know, that's like me turning on a thousand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not like that all the time in no, real life. No, but you're great on the mic. Yeah, so right? I just like to, it's like almost like me putting on a personality. 
It's like me amplified. It's like Super Saiyan that 2 version be, of JK. That could be your next, the next like maybe tangent in the career too, maybe. which is potentially hosting. Hosting, you know, doing all of that. You're so have to hit, hit up Gimlet Studios. Maybe, man. Yo, Gimlet Studio, holla at me, yo. It was good. Um, so yeah, like the podcast, I, I, the initially, so after Bad Rap was, um, yo, so uh, anybody tuning in right now, make sure to check out Bad Rap on Netflix right now. And what's now. Bad Rap, just so we so know? So Bad Rap, it's a, a documentary, it's a feature documentary about four Asian American rappers who are friends, starring Dumbfounded, Aquafina, Rex Dizzy, and Lyrics. Uh, it's about their uh, successes as well as their struggles, and we've kind of utilized these four characters to tell the story about Asian Americans and hip hop. Um, so after that film went on Netflix, like I said, um, I wanted to do another project that kind of like highlighted um, another interest of mine, which was like telling stories about everyday people, especially people of color that are in different occupations. So I used to work at a hot food deli right out of high school before I went to college. And these hot food delis are like classic New York establishments where like you go in and then you get like a buffet situation, a pizza, sushi, whatever, whatever. And um, it's like and a lot of them are uh, operated by Korean Americans, especially in New York. So I was like, all right. So it's like a Korean American ran podcast that kind of showcases different occupations of people of color. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, let's do this podcast called Hot Food Deli. So when I approached my co-producer, um, Julie Young, about this idea, she was like, nah, I hate that fucking name, but I like the idea. So she plugged in JoJo, my co-host, who's like the complete opposite of me in terms of her whole vibe. It's a great and, balance. Like audibly, though, it's a great balance. Yeah, yeah. Like her vibe and her whole like approach is very different from me. So she kind of wanted us to partner together. The two ladies hated the name Hafu Deli. So Julie was like, yo, why don't we call this $6.99 per pound? Because Amazing. And I, I was that. like, that just sounds like a sexual position. but No, but it makes so much more sense. You know and I mean? I, and the most recent episode, too, there's something you guys said was like, it's these Korean-owned delis are as mm. di diverse in terms of their, their food offerings, mm -hmm. similar to kind of how you envision your podcast. Yeah, so that's kind of like the whole idea behind the podcast. And luckily, uh, we have a, like I said, we have a great team and we're about like 22 episodes deep right now um and they're know, long they're 45 it's, it's minutes bi-weekly it's bi-weekly it's actually like a little less than an hour each episode mm -hmm. yeah because we drop it every two weeks we don't drop it every week so Dope. um yeah it's on itunes spotify check it it's out It's everywhere now android users can can listen everybody to it could listen to it you know what i mean everybody could listen to it the more you listen to it the more cpm the more money for j key and the <laughs> you know what i mean the squad you know what i mean make sure make sure you listen to it you know what i mean um so yeah so that's the podcast. What's, what's next? What's next? I mean, like I'm sure you have a lot of stuff. Alumni stuff Alumni is like a store that I'm a partner in. Uh we're based out in Flushing, Queens. Um we have like two other locations in Brooklyn, but the Flushing location is my baby. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I always wanted and to have Are you buying for them? I do like all the creative marketing. I'm part of the buying process. Um I'm very hands-on. Because, like, one of my dreams was to have, like, a brick-and-mortar uh, cool guy boutique, like, a cultural hub in Flushing growing up. Because, like, in Queens, like, we never really had anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, when Urban I first... terrain, maybe. I mean, that, that, <laughs> was, ne that was nothing like a, a cultural hub. Like, when I first went to, like, Atmos when I was 18, 
in Harlem, 125, where when I went to like uh, A-Life, Rivington, um, where like even Reed Space back in the days, good. yeah, on Orchard, like those were all like retail stores that also was like a cultural destination. Right. And for, what I liked, I just mentioned Reed, Reed Space the other day to a friend where you could get the, you know, the sneakers, the clothes, the bags, whatever, but they had a whole bookshelf of different magazines and accessories and just product fully dedicated to that entire lifestyle. Like, yeah, community. it was like a lifestyle store. Um, I mean, at the end of the, so like, I wanted to kind of cater to that. Uh, I wanted to kind of harbor that type of uh, uh, consumer base in Flushing, but also just wanted to- they have money. The Chinese people have lots of money. I mean, no, nah, like the thing is like <laughs> Chinese, like the, the type of consumer you're talking about. Yeah, of course, I cater to them because we do sell the products that they would prefer, which is like a bear brick or like a, a CDG play, like, you know, whatever. And those but, are great accounts to have. And they, don't give a, and they don't give a fuck about like no magazines and shit. You know what I mean? They, they, they're not going to buy that kinfolk magazine that I put in over there, like or undo magazine that I put in over there. They're not going to buy that shit. But just the fact that I could have a place to offer that um so that a younger version of sophia chang who's growing up and flushing right now or like a younger version of jay key just the fact that they have a store that they could go to after they pick up a bubble tea on main street after school after they come back from francis lewis whatever like just to have that option it's gonna give these kids a whole new perspective on what what's possible like the young creative kids that's been coming to the events that i hosted they are already connecting that's like dope. i just like the it's new, like us. Yeah, like the new manager that we have over there at the store. Shout out to Peter. An artist that he's managing is a is a producer linked with a social media, um, like this model who has a pretty big reach on social media. So they linked at the party that I hosted. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like relationships are already happening, like in a very organic way. You know what I mean? Which so, is something you've been doing for years anyway. Right. But like just the fact that now I have a store, a space, like a, a space, space that I could just do it whenever right. the fuck I want. Like, that shit is huge. How much sleep do you get regularly being someone who does all the things that you do? Uh, depending on the time of the month, but anywhere between <laughs> four and eight. Four and eight? Yeah, depending on, the de depending on like, what deadline I What's have What's your sleep week. schedule? What time do you naturally wake up? I naturally wake up. If I didn't have an alarm, I would wake up around 10 o'clock. Okay. 10 a.m. Right. But I usually wake up at seven. Okay. Yeah. And what habit can't you kick? A lot. Iced Americano, grinding my teeth, porn. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all the bad habits. But like good habits? What, what would be a good habit? Like stretching a lot? I stretch a lot. You do stretch yeah, a lot. Yeah, I do stretch a lot. So that's a good habit, right? Um, I walk a lot, right? That's a good habit. Let's see. What else do we have? Um, yeah, you don't drink coffee no more. I do. Oh, okay, I okay. This isn't the way I don't know. Shit, I thought it was like some kale juice or something. Uh, That's know, cute. You, you're That's all cute. about. You're all about. I'm that not. I'm not. I'm. I am. I try, but I all. I mean, you. You have to aspire for something. Doesn't mean you have to do it every day. Mm. Um, how has your industry changed since you first started? Shit, I don't even know what industry I'm part of anymore. Uh, That's true. I was. That was the next thing that I mean? came into my so mind too. Like, I mean, right now I'm in the fashion industry, I guess, um, and it's constantly changing like any other industry. Mm -hmm. um, fast fashion is, you know, it, it's 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 literally. 
But you know it's what? It's bigger than ever. You're so, clearly someone who's very good at adapting. You're confident in your skills. You're confident in what you can do. And you have your dreams and aspirations that kind of light the path for you. And you kind of just go with the flow. Wouldn't you agree that, though? Like, after you've been in, like, the editorial world, now you're into freelance marketing, you know, <laughs> We're agency in the same boat. Like, I don't even know. Like, my point is, like, once you figure out a formula... There's a formula to everything, right? Once you have a, once you understand how a, there, that there's a formula to everything, once you figure that out, everything else is pretty. Yeah, much it falls the same. into place. Like, put me anywhere, just throw me in the Shark Tank, I'll figure it out. Yeah, like, and then you know, we also have like all this like survival instinct. So, mm -hmm. I think I think everything is really driven by formula. You know what I mean? So as long as you understand the formula, which is going to take anywhere between a day to maybe like a year, once you figure that out. Everything else is pretty much what's the your same. formula? Um, I just observe the situation first. You know what I mean? I try to soak it in as much as I can. I, I just I, I really don't like to talk too much in the beginning. In and the then beginning. I just in the Keywords. beginning. And then um I just ask a shitload of questions. You know what I mean? Always ask questions. I think that's usually the key. All right. And lastly, how do you undo ordinary? <laughs> you know, that's one thing we always ask right, people, right, actually. right. how do i undo ordinary undo the ordinary undo, undo your the ordinary. ordinary um i think like a lot of other people because yo being like ordinary is subjective right what's ordinary for you and i could be you know irregular for a lot of people right but i think everything that i've taken or done so far has always been a little bit out of the box. You know what I mean? Like even like my life trajectory and shit, like fucking going from South Korea to China to New York, you know what I mean? To like being a rap journalist to doing this, doing that. Like I feel like it's always been a little bit untraditional, you know, to mm -hmm. the dismay of my parents to some degree. But uh um yeah but I, I i just it's hard for me to say like i just, it just well, you're doing a great job jakey thank you appreciate you it should, Sophia. you should wake up and give yourself a pat on the back i do that all the time fucking accomplish I, I do that all the and time and how you continue to do that yeah do you do that not as much why, why? usually my friends encourage me and why? then my friends are only because i don't wake up and think man i've done so much great stuff i think it part of me is always like Jonathan Mannion said this best once when he did this talk, which was like every project, uh, the best project is always the next project. No, and totally. that's kind of my attitude, too, which which can be problematic sometimes because you don't give yourself as as much like time to be like, oh, let me think about what I have accomplished. But you know, like that show that. Dexter's Laboratory. Yes. You know how Dexter always goes, this is my greatest invention of all time. Uh huh. Every after every invention. Yeah. That's kind of like I feel like how a lot of creatives are. Yeah. You know, and but, there's that drive, and I think it's great. I'd rather kinda, have that than exactly. Not. Like, what's the biggest project that you've done? Like the Puma project, like in terms I of like notoriety so. wise. Yeah. Right. But like, you're chasing that project again, in, in somewhere in your heart. I'm assuming, right? Like something to that scale, right? To some extent, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to set myself up to disappointment. If I do have some sort of intention, right? I make sure I'm working towards that. But at the same time, having a uh, I guess a heart that's open to whatever comes my way, right? right? I know that if I keep right now, every day when I check my phone, there's something going on, good or bad. I've just gotten to a point where I'm gonna keep my head down. I'm gonna do what I'm good at and stay stay strong on my path, and projects will come my way. Yeah, 
like but but also like is things things could be subjective right because the puma project in terms of i don't know maybe like reach or how people recognize you it might have been big but the fact that you are able to sustain a magazine and also create a lifestyle brand out of it with a partner yeah like you having a partner like yo shout out to vash like i don't even know how she deals with you I, I, but I like yo like that's crazy that you're able to work with somebody um and then to like actually put together a lifestyle brand and you're like so much more holistic as an individual because like you definitely had like this the street where you know what i mean I that phase do. you know what i mean you yeah, had like yeah do. like all up in the gram and shit you i know mean i've also just gotten to a point where i spent so much money on some hype shit in my 20s that no nah, now but my I'm point like, is like i feel like you're much like we also grow we all grow as individuals and right. i feel like what you're doing now with undo is so much more of an accomplishment in my eyes than oh, like doing you. like a big check puma project right you know what i'm saying i think the rewards are bigger and one thing we always say with undo just so to wrap here too is that like it's not always just about the check right it's about we realize what we're doing is actually changing lives and it's making an impact on people and, the, and someone's like you know i actually started going to the gym today after reading your magazine or writing for your magazine or hey i saw this and people work amongst each other within the book as well so in the same sense we love connecting people we're, right. right we love being like hey you guys should work together all of that but yeah, shout now, out to Louis Chen, you know what I mean, for the, for the illustration. Exactly. Yeah. Louis is amazing. And, and that's uh, Undo has been in the same way of just organically bringing our community together. But how can we work towards a great cause of, of shedding light on health and wellness? Because it's always packaged in a certain way that lacks diversity, that can come off as very elitist. I want to have this information make sense for my parents. So. Right. Yeah, no, nah, exactly. Yeah. So and I if think, we love what we do, right? If we're entrepreneurs, we have all these dreams and we have all these blessed skills, we can't continue to do that if we don't have our health. Mm. How do we kind of swim against that current? How do we undo ordinary? Mm, all right, cool. Yeah. Shit, good for you. All right, you. thanks. All right, peace. This episode of Undo Radio is presented in partnership with Listening Party. Follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market.